And while we have a through line that states authorial intent means dick. Right. I don't want to have to have the same haircut you have, Dad. Sorry, forgive me. Harriet motherfucking tub. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be crawling to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. JK, and, crawling and to something else. Uh, so was was this before or after the poster and you vomiting all over the couch? <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Ed's eyes just crossed. That is fucked up. <laughs> but it's not wrong. son and a renewing interest in the uh, 41st, now 42nd millennium. Uh, and I have not yet managed, my, my son is still uh, way too young uh, to be introducing to uh, any of the uh, uh, intellectual property out of that particular uh, uh, setting, but um, I am looking forward to having conversations with him about, you know, who who the Marines are and and you know that kind of stuff. How about you? I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here in Northern California. I have an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, uh, as everybody is probably aware, who now plays Star Wars. And I was just talking with a friend of mine about when is it when is the right time to show your kids Deadpool. Because I think they would love it because they love comic books. I think yeah. most of the, the, the dick and fart jokes would be over their heads, which is good. Yeah. But when is the right time? And I don't know yet. Um, I think maybe when one of them hits 12. I don't know. I have time to figure this out. <sighs> yeah. You, I, I'm going to I don't trust say, the MPA. a couple of years. Yeah. yeah no. Well, you shouldn't. No. As, as we've discussed in the past, yeah. no, you should not trust the MPAA Indeed. or the Comics Code Authority. Indeed. Oh, speaking of which, uh, my, my dad and I spoke the other day while I was pulling weeds in the garden. Uh, you know, okay. One of the nice things about technology. And uh, he was telling me uh, that uh, he, he was listening to our Farside episode, I think. And I'd mentioned Mad oh, Magazine. Okay. And so he called me to tell me what a shithead Kefauver was. And I said, you know, Dad, our very first episode is called the CCA, or How My Dad Hated Adlai Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that he uh, he's going to give that a good listen to. Uh, yeah, fingers it, crossed. It was a fun fun conversation. So it, Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I can believe it. But I did show my kids uh, Star Wars early on uh, to the point where it actually just came up on uh, my Facebook memory of the first time I showed William uh, Star Wars and how oh, over wow. the moon he was about the Jawas. Um, <laughs> and then when I showed him episode six, um, he's and he was like four. So little four-year-old boy. Wow. And I okay. showed him episode six. And, uh, you know, I'd been playing the music for the longest time. And my favorite sound is, or song is Into the Trap. And so we'd play it while we were okay. driving. And I'd always say, it's a trap, you know. And mm-hmm. so then when Akbar says it, 
William's looking and he's pointing and he goes, he said it, he said it, <laughs> which that's awesome. That's the most exciting part to the movie was when the shrimp said it's a trap. <laughs> so yeah, Star Wars runs hard in this, ha- in this family. Uh, it was Mon Calamari, so which which would make him squid. Oh yeah, yeah. But so but yeah, you look at his squid. you look yeah. at his head, and that's no. He's got a carp's mouth, but carp. he's got a shrimp's face. That big old yeah. eye on the side. Yeah, the big old yeah. big old googly eyes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well. So who knows? Speaking of Star Wars, right. you were going to tell us about the Templars. Yes. Uh, well, because, um, you know, they're, they are, they are the real world. I'm, I am convinced mm-hmm. that whether it was conscious or not, that is what George Lucas wound up having in his head mm-hmm. when he came up with the idea of what the Jedi order was going to look like when he started writing the prequels. Well, it makes sense. It's an, an order of nights. Yeah, and you know, I mean, yes, the easiest go to. But there were other non-religious nightly orders he could have looked at. I'm, you know, yeah, just saying. True. But in any event, mm-hmm. um, so so the Knights Templar, the the, the historical organization, we're going to talk with that, and then and then you know get into as we go through it, we'll talk about you know where the parallels are mm-hmm. uh, with with you know Lucas's you know ossified, calcified, rigid dogmatic Jedi order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Knights Templar were originally founded, uh, in 1119, yeah. uh, by a group, by a group of Knights, uh, who had, had gotten to the Holy land, uh, on crusade and wanted to dedicate themselves to, uh, defending pilgrims to, to act as a, as a military order for the defense of pilgrims, specifically Christian pilgrims mm-hmm. visiting the Holy land. Um, and over the course of the next 20 years, um, as movements do, they grew, they attracted a lot of followers. Right. Um, they attracted a great deal of membership. They had a lot of, a lot of nobles join them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 1139, they were actually recognized by the Pope and they were given, the official station of being an order, right? Which at the time, which at the time was recognition of them as a religious order, a group of a group of men who had dedicated themselves to a religious lifestyle, mm-hmm. and in their case, that religious lifestyle was wedded to military service. Yes, and so they were a military order, and, and they were they, based they, out of the Holy Land, weren't they? Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they were uh, based they're, in they're, the, we conquered this and we won, and now we're going to be the protectors, yes. like you said, of pilgrims, but also of this victory. Yes. And all of and European Christendom was down for that. Oh, big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, all, all the support being thrown at Outremer mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the Crusader states. The it, It's kind of an interesting thing. If you for whatever reason, didn't like Baldwin of Boulogne or, or, you know, the, the Royal family of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. because, you know, we're talking about Norman French basically across Europe being the, being the class of, of people who were, who were involved in this. Right. Uh, to the extent that, that, you know, the, the natives of the Holy land referred to all crusaders as Frange, no matter where they came from. <laughs> 
but in any event, if if you if you didn't like a particular crusader noble, but you wanted to support the cause of Outremer, mm-hmm. you would donate money, donate land, right. leave leave something in your will to the Templars or to a lesser extent the Hospitallers. Yeah. Um and and so so yeah they they and and this was and this was a big deal because you know supporting supporting Christian control of the Holy Land mm-hmm. was seen as being this meritorious this religiously meritorious kind of thing to do to vote with your dollar kind of thing it, yeah, it's Citizens just, United version of Christianity <laughs> you can put money toward it and that's as good as prayers mind blown. <laughs> Now, because I, I would, the other thing is yeah. that you're not, there's nothing in that statement I can say is like, well, yeah. no, you know, see, but no. You're oversimplified, you, you're, no. No, you're pretty much right there. Well, and if I recall, they, they started off as a poverty sect. They were like the poor somethings, right? Yeah, they were they were the poor knights of right. uh, Jerusalem and the Temple of Solomon. Yeah, and then they end up just... <laughs> well, okay, here's... but They sublimate here's, here's, that into... Well, in order to protect, we need land. And in order to have land, we have to have this. And and it just kind of evolves into okay. a a money making and a banking clan, if you will. Well, they they were yeah. In in it's 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 also not an egregious oversimplification to say that the the orders the order Templar mm-hmm. uh, did essentially wind up becoming the first multinational corporation. Yes. Uh, but here's but they the thing. always pretended and, and poverty is... too. Their very symbol was a symbol of poverty. The whole time. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but yeah. here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, and and to a medieval mindset, this makes a really this is this is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. The order, mm-hmm. the organization, was ridiculously monopoly money, kind of wealthy. Mm-hmm. But the lifestyle actually lived by the Templars right. themselves was one of poverty and militarized simplicity yes you know each individual templar knight had you know four horses but that was because you needed four horses for Mm -hmm. what you were doing you know but but it was you know they didn't they didn't eat lavishly they didn't they didn't you know they didn't wear they wore a uniform 24 7 365 right you know that was that was intentionally plain Mm -hmm. um boy this sounds familiar (laughs) they did not have Odd, huh? Mm. They didn't have, uh, like you know, when, when we're talking about nobles of of you know Europe in in the Middle Ages and into the early modern period, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you could make a suit out of four yards of fabric, you'd use eight. Right. And and if and if um, and if blue was good, then ultramarine blue with you know silver filigree mm-hmm. was better right you right know, conspicuous consumption was 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 a class thing right and so many of the members of the order came from very wealthy very powerful families but as soon as they became templars they dressed just like everybody else outside of their armor they looked like monks because they were yeah and so i mean it's 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 oh, wow that's al qaeda too yeah, it is easy. Well, it's any group, any group of truly religiously dedicated militarized fanatics. You know, <laughs> yep. I mean, there's there's commonality there. Yeah. 
and and the thing is, it's 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 very tempting, I think, for us from a modern viewpoint mm-hmm. with with all of the you know close to a thousand years of history that's happened in between mm-hmm. to look at well, you know, yeah, they said they were poor, but you know, look at you know the Templar Order controlled all this land throughout Europe. They had all this wealth, and da da da. da. And yeah, okay, no, you're right. But to them, they were a hundred percent sincere about no, no. I'm becoming a Templar. I'm taking an oath of poverty. Right. And 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 like they fucking meant it. And the order becoming powerful mm-hmm. was entirely separate from the oath they individually took if that makes sense and well and, it does because i know star wars well yeah well and i studied these guys a lot like i know that well, philip yeah. helped get rid of them and he othered them and 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 oh, yeah. it was after i mean ultimately it was after the crusades had failed so now you don't get to have an annex why? office in the holy land you know <laughs> why, so, why do we have these guys right like, and yeah. and these guys yeah. are way too powerful i want that money for me and and on and on and on you know Oh, hey, oh, hey, wait, wait, hold on. So my lawyers tell me that if these guys are heretics and we have them all executed. Right. All of that becomes my land again. Right. Exactly. You know, what can we pin on these motherfuckers? Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. So, so, um, the whole, the whole operation was run out of Jerusalem. They had branch offices all over Europe, Mm -hmm. fortifications, which is funny. They had fortresses all over Europe. And you're like, Okay, wait. Hold on. Why do you need a fortress in the mm-hmm. middle of France when when the enemy you're fighting is is outside of Christendom? Mm-hmm. But but anyway, I, I think I think in large part that was because you know nobles died and left their property to them, and it was like, and what else are we this, gonna do? Yeah, you know, yeah. Look look at the scenic pile of stones on top of this. You know, right village and associated 200 acres of land you know <laughs> well and with, and with they handsome, are handsome stone attachment you know and like you said they're they're norman and they are <clears throat> you know a military order and normans yeah. were big on building fortresses and a military group that's going to be your aesthetic um yeah. i was in um palermo just real quick i was in palermo okay. last summer back before we were banned from traveling everywhere Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which a friend of mine said, this is, um, absolutely karma for the Muslim travel ban. And I'm like, yeah. you're not wrong <laughs> if I believed in karma. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but yeah. Uh, so back when we, we could travel outside of our borders, um, uh, uh, I took a group of kids to Palermo and it was a cathedral in Palermo. You would have loved it. Um, yeah. You just melted into your chair. I will show you the pictures. You're going to, you're going to love it. Um, it it the the walls are all gold tremendous gold everywhere now the normans prior to this went all over the place taking everyone's gold hey nice nice gold you got there i'm going to take it now and then they became well, christians yeah. and and then they were like well okay well we have all this gold but we know how people like to take gold so we're going to make this gold work in such a way that you can't take it and so what they did was they they poured glass, a very thin layer. They almost made baklava out of glass and gold, basically. They poured a super thin layer of glass and then an incredibly thin layer of gold and then another thin layer of glass, and that was a tile. To the point where the entire cathedral, and this cathedral is enormous, 
about 100 kilograms of gold. That's it. Wow. Yes. Like they, That's got to be stunning to look it at. It is amazing. And I got to teach kids all about acoustics and all about like, because I, I, oh, I, oh, yeah. Oh. You know, and I, I told them, I said, okay, when they're done with the tour, meet me in the middle, anybody who wants to learn something cool. And so I brought them in the middle. I said, okay, now um, take out your earbuds because they had like the little speaky thing where the tour oh, guy yeah, tells yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I said, now, now I said, this is the <clears> kind of room that a comedian hates. Because if you listen, where is all the sound going? And they're like, well, it's kind of going up. I said, right. Now look at the ceilings. They're vaulted. I said, and and look at where the choir would be. Okay. And if you're standing right here in the middle, right, uh, you, you look up and it, all the sound goes up there. I said, now, if you think about the only sounds that you're going to be getting in this place, they're not electronic. It's going to be people praying and it's going to be over there. It's going to be people singing. So where do everybody's voices go? And the kids were like, oh my God, to God. I was like, there you go. And then I told them, like, go around in this cathedral and find the places where you were supposed to talk to God. And you can do that by when you snap, you won't hear an echo. And so you've got all these teenagers going all over the place. Like, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool. You know, I taught them that. Yeah. Yeah, And and, and then I pointed out, you know, and and my kids know I'm a, a fairly staunch atheist. Um, but you know, I'm pointing out to them, I'm like, if you look at the different layers, you have the story of Genesis on the top, the creation story on the top underneath that you have the flood story and underneath that. And I pointed out, I'm like, you don't have the stations of the cross, even though this is a Catholic church. And we went into the history of why you didn't have the stations of the cross here. And it was because it was Eastern and then it was Western and it was North, just all kinds of fun stuff. Anyway, so the the Normans were really big on gathering a shit ton of gold and building defensible spots. And so it makes sense that, you know, the the Templars absolutely had fortresses everywhere and were a multinational bank. So, Oh yeah. Well, and, and you know what they, they wound up, they became a multinational bank because, you know, people going on crusade, mm-hmm. going on pilgrimages, you know, needed a mechanism for like, okay, I've, I've, I've sold, you know, half of my family's, you know, wealth in order to get the cash I need to get to the Holy land and home. Mm-hmm. But if, but I can't carry all that in silver, and, right. you know, I need I need some way to make sure that, you know, nobody's going to try to kill me for it. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? And I go to the Templars. It'll be safe there. Say, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And so, you know, here is here is here are my, you know, 10,000 marks. Exactly. Uh, and the Templars say, OK, here is essentially a traveler's check. Yeah. When you get to, you know, the the next, you know, uh, chapter house on mm-hmm. the way. Uh, you know, you can cash part of that out and they'll, they'll, you know, exactly. scrub that off. And, and, you know, then, you know, of course, if you die while you're on pilgrimage, we have your money. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, people died a lot back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even when they weren't undertaking long, dangerous journeys, you know, of thousands of miles. Oh Yeah. So, you know, over the course of, you know, a couple of hundred years, yeah, they, they accumulated a huge amount of wealth mm-hmm. to the point that, you know, the Pope was jealous. Yeah. Uh, and of course, and of course, Philip of France. Yeah, I was going to say that was so, one of the Clements and one of the Philips. I want to say it was Philip the yeah, Fourth. I think you're right. And it was Clement the, 
I don't know. He's in early Clement, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, and 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 so again, they they had this organization that became incredibly politically powerful, had all kinds of sway, mm-hmm. and had the cash floating around to be able to loan money to kings and nobles and anybody who needed right. it. Um, and you know, but the individual knights swore oaths of chastity they couldn't get married right uh they were not they were not allowed to have any kind of physical contact with women at all even members of their own family which and ended up leading to the some of the charges against them because one of the precisely quickest charges that you could level was homosexuality and then of course since you're there you might as well have them desecrate crosses yeah, and, it just and, got weird and, fast. And, and pray to a blue head in the cellar, and yeah, right. Lord knows, yeah, yeah. So, um, so poverty, chastity, mm-hmm. and and this this made them like monks of the Benedictine or Franciscan orders. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, they were a they were a military organization. They, there were there were three ranks in the organization. There were knights who mm-hmm. joined from noble families. There were sergeants who joined mm-hmm. from who were commoners and sergeants did, you know, the work that needed doing like being a blacksmith, being stonemasons, being sure, you know, whatever all that was. And additionally, they acted as in the Holy Land. Sergeants were light cavalry. OK. Uh, and and they carried when they were also the infantry force for the order. Didn't didn't the, I'm sorry. Let me back it up just a second. Yeah. The, so the Templars were there in the Holy Land, which means they got kind of first dibs on all the cool stuff. Is that one of the reasons that like the the popes and the kings of France specifically, because they were setting up for their pope anti pope fights? Um, <laughs> but uh, there was that one of the reasons that they were jealous, because like these guys had access to all of the uh, what do you call it? relics? Um, because I remember. The Philip the Fourth claimed, I think it was him. He had a phylactery of the of a thorn of the crown that was on Christ's head. Like that's what he had, and he like dined out on that. And I might have my Philips mixed up, but <laughs> um, it was a gift to him from some. I think from maybe one of the popes. And I swear, like, was didn't they have like a saint's? head or his hand or something uh well the templars okay relics boy getting getting into relics is 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 that's a whole there's a whole ecosystem of of stuff associated with that they they did i mean you know their their chapels and cathedrals had relics in them Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a tradition within the church that uh the altar of a church especially Mm -hmm. a cathedral have some kind of a relic under it Mm-hmm. As it's a tradition, a yeah. The, the theology of it, I can't get into right now. But yeah, I read Star Wars books, and this actually comes uh, it like yeah. straight up. You've got the well of oh. the Force. You've got yeah. all these places where the Force is a wellspring, and therefore you put a temple there. Yeah, like that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they they had they certainly. I'm sure at some point they they could probably point to any number of. You know, finger bones, teeth, mm-hmm. skulls, hands, you oh, know, whatever, just, whatever, whatever kind of relics. I just looked it up. They were rumored to have John the Baptist's mummified head, ah. which is why they were accused of idolatry 
two ahead of okay. Bathomet. Okay. Well, there so, you go. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Can yeah. I answer your question? But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what what Philip was really after was was hubba 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 money money money. Who do you trust? Oh yeah. Like he he. And, and, you know, the Pope similarly was like, these guys, these guys have too much cachet. They have too much power and influence. They're, they're, they're too much of a presence in the church. We gotta, we gotta, gotta deal with them. But, um, I think, you know, relics specific, you know, them, them hogging all the relics specifically, I don't mm-hmm. think is really, okay. I, I don't think that dog hunts, okay. uh, you know, uh, cause, cause the French Kings, certainly certainly had plenty of other shit mm-hmm. to point to as as their own stuff sure um you know keep in mind that um the crown of thorn the crown of thorn not merely a thorn from the crown but mm-hmm. the crown of thorns mm-hmm. uh was one of the relics that that you know catholics all over the world were worried about when um notre dame caught fire because that is that is one of the relics that is that is oh, really? yes it survived for for those catholic inclined mm-hmm. who are listening you can you can breathe easy if you hadn't heard about that it's okay and it's the actual crown it is it is in, it's yes. in theory well, okay i i, I don't want to say it is believed it is believed, it is believed to, to be, be the crown yeah, the that's what I wanted to say. In, in the yeah. in the in the language, the, the two of us, the the you know <laughs> the Venn diagram hard, overlaps here. Hardcore, yeah, yeah, the hardcore atheist and the <laughs> you know adult convert to Catholicism, we can agree on it is believed to be right. So, um, but so 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 they they lived lives. The Templars lived lives that were mm-hmm. these these lives of enforced simplicity. Uh, just like a Benedictine, just like a Franciscan, they got up at the same time every day. They spent the, their their morning started with prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, their day would end with prayer. There would be times during the day for meditation and prayer throughout. You know, the difference was when a Benedictine would go to his working hours in the scriptorium or the brewery. God mm-hmm. bless the Benedictines. <laughs> Or, you know, or the bakery or out in the fields or whatever. When, when a Benedictine went to his work hours, he did that. When a Templar went to his work hours, he put on his armor and went out and trained. Okay. And so they, they, you know, um, and, and the, and the difference in their rule, they followed what, what became known as the Latin rule. Okay. Um, and, uh, a bunch of their oaths had to do with military service. One of the most notable ones being that a force of Templars was not allowed to retreat in the face of the enemy until their banner had fallen. Till the enemy's banner had fallen? No, 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 your own. They were not allowed to turn around. You can't, unless, unless our standard has fallen, we're going to keep fighting. Okay. And of course, in this time period, you know, standards showed this is where all my guys are. Right. So that's, I mean, up through the Napoleonic era, mm-hmm. you know, standards are a critical thing. So they're, they're not, basically, they're not turning around and running until nearly all of them are dead. Mm-hmm. 
And if their standard did fall, they were encouraged. This wasn't required, but they were they were kind of the culture was, well, we're not actually even then going to run away. We're going to try to regroup with another with another order of knights like the Hospitallers, or we're mm-hmm. going to go to somebody else and we're going to keep fighting. And um, so thanks to their their heavy armor, because they were truly no kidding, heavy cavalry, mm-hmm. full body chain mail, right. big, strong war horses. Um, thanks to their heavy armor and their fanaticism, they, they earned a fearsome reputation amongst all of the forces that they, that they would fight against Mm -hmm. the, 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 the other side did like, like, okay, well we know, we know there's a force of Templars here. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to try some of our redirection tactics. Can we, can we figure, how are we going to, you know, can can we come back uh, around to them? Can we, yeah. like, 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 how do we flank them? Can we, we can we parking them lot them and then, yeah. you know, like what yeah, they're doing, like their energy, uh, we're going to come back around to that when we've taken care of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to put a pit in them. Yeah. <laughs> or we're going to try real hard to put a pit in them yeah. from a long way away. Right. Because slashing them uh, won't work. So slashing them is just not going to do a damn thing. Yeah. No. So, um, and so, so when they were on patrol or mm-hmm. when they were actually out fighting, that was kind of the only time in their lives when they had a lot of freedom in their day-to-day life because when they're at home, mm-hmm. their schedule is, is utterly regimented as, as, part of their, as part of their oath, right? Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're constantly busy, then you're much less likely to slack off or, or, you know, do something to violate one of your oaths. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every day is the same. Every day is regimented. And, um, another one of their famous rules that was, that was part of their, their rule, uh, was, uh, they, they only bathed a couple of times a year. Now, back then that was a fairly common thing. Yes. Like bathing wasn't considered a necessary bathing- yeah, bathing bathing was not considered necessary, and mm-hmm. the reason the Templars only did it twice a year was because bathing was was seen as being a luxury of the flesh. Right. Um, now, generally speaking, people didn't go six months, so so the Templars were notable in, mm-hmm. in commitment to to that you know Ugh. idea. And and the other thing was um, this wasn't actually part of part of their monastic rule, mm-hmm. but because they only bathed twice a year, it became part of their culture that they grew their beards out mm. like, like mm-hmm. big time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like um, pictures of Jacques de Molay. He's, he's bearded. Oh yeah. looks yeah. like, looks like a wizard. Yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. And, and what's interesting kind of mm-hmm. as a side note with that is, um, you know, Frankish culture, Norman culture, generally speaking, they were, they were clean shaven. That was, right. that was not, fashion was not to have a beard. Right. Or if you did have one, it was, it was trimmed in very, very mm-hmm. close caps, you know. Uh, whereas in the Holy Land, in Muslim culture, you grew a beard. Mm-hmm. And there, and the Templars having those beards made them somehow more recognizable, I don't know if recognizable is the right word, but it, but it created, made it more distinctive. And, and when they weren't fighting mm-hmm. the Muslims around them, it was a thing, it was like a visual 
okay, these these guys are these guys are kind of local. Like you right. know, I can I can look at this guy and I know you know he doesn't look as alien as you know the guy standing next to him. It's kind of like in movies about Vietnam. You got the soldier who. Uh, starts eating and drinking with the Vietnamese more than yeah. he does with the soldiers so that he blends in more, et cetera. Yeah. Going yeah. native. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and they were immensely, the point I'm, I'm kind of trying to get around to with all this is they were on a very, on a very significant level, they were intensely monastic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that that monasticism again, you know, if you look at the way they went into battle, their surcoats were the white surcoat with the red cross on it. Right. Whereas any noble from any other part of Europe was going to have a lot more color, as many color, a lot more yep. color. It was it was all about me, me, me. Look at me on the battlefield. You know, I want you to recognize who I am when I come at you right. because that's how I gain the attention of my liege lord to, you know, get promoted, get whatever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and so they were simultaneously intensely military mm-hmm. and intensely monastic. Boy, this sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and so. And again, with now, the clothing being. Yeah, and very plain oriented. I mean, one of the reasons you wear all white is uh, there's the purity aspect, right? So you got the religious aspect, yeah. but also you're not paying money for dyeing. It's white because yes. wool is white. Yes. You know, cotton. Yes. I don't think they did cotton, but wool is white. Um, so linen. yeah, linen. Uh, I think they also had polyester and rayon. I know that they had those. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yes, but they didn't blend them because no. they still, no, you know, actually yeah, read no. their Bible. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. true. Yeah, no, no, no. And no, that's that's know. why he caught fire was because he was wearing so much um, polyester that they didn't mean to burn him at the stake, but his legs kept rubbing together just, so it much. Just, it just caught. Yeah, it yeah. emulated. Burp, burp, burp. It was, yeah, yeah, up he went. Yeah, yeah. The hospitalers, yeah. on the other hand, they wore asbestos, so it was yeah. No, I was going to say the hospitalers wore cotton because, you know, scrubs. Uh, good point, uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking about when they were in Mesopotamia because that's where you get the term mesophilioma. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Like evolved. <laughs> so, so having having now described yes. the temple order, yes. we, we definitely see, okay, so we have these martial artists who who you know have this intensely monastic kind of kind of lifestyle and and then and then like it goes off the rails because in order to become a templar mm-hmm. you had to volunteer yeah that's not what the jedi seemed to be no, under lucas's no, uh, no, episodes 1 not, 2 3 not at all and and templars were not the people you sent to do anything diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Templars were the warriors of God. Right. And, and you know, on their good days, you know, the better angels of their nature, they were defenders of those who couldn't defend themselves. <laughs> on, on an awful lot of other occasions, mm-hmm. uh, they were 
Norman knights in a foreign country given license to pick a fight with the neighbors. Right. Because God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and so, so again, it's, it's a, it's a funhouse mirror. Well, and, it's, it's, if you take a bad understanding of Eastern mysticism and you blend it with a bad yeah. understanding of what the Templar, basically, if you blend it with action comics, Templar Knights. Oh yeah. Okay, which is yeah. probably I, where he got it. Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, the stories of Simon Templar, exactly. uh, the saint, um, well, yeah, and and so you know, it's this, it's this really unfortunate kind of thing, mm-hmm. because what you have with the Templars historically mm-hmm. is the antithesis of wandering swordsmen, because the Templars lived militarily regimented lives. They mm-hmm. were. Soldiers, they were part of, of effectively a very elite standing army. Right. You know, they they were like, you know, Marine Force Recon of the medieval world, only their battlefield role was entirely different, but you get where I'm going with mm-hmm. that. They mm-hmm. were they were, you know, highly, highly motivated, highly trained, all of the esprit de corps. Mm-hmm. And then and then, you know, marry that to then religious fanaticism and like yeah. you know, I mean, the thing that and, sticks is the focus on temple, focus yes. on physical spaces that they occupy and their proximity to power. Like those yeah. things stick. But you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, so it's 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 a shame mm-hmm. that, you know, we 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 as the fandom got got what we what we got from Lucas mm-hmm. and I love your analogy you use whenever we talk about this he lets us play in his driveway and sometimes he backs over our toys pretty sure it's Timothy Zahn that said it but yeah <laughs> yeah he's right he is not <laughs> he's, wrong he's, he's so correct you know because because there 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 was so much stuff that was developed mm-hmm. you know in in the expanded universe that that didn't make the Jedi out to be Al Qaeda. Right. You know, this, this immensely, not just, not just spiritual, not Mm -hmm. just mystic, but like, honest to God, no kidding, codified religious. Yeah. Order with, with orthodoxy Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, you know, the, whatever, I don't remember the specific lines, but in, in episode one, there's a back and forth with Qui-Gon about, you know, you got to be careful. You're going to, you're going to get, you know, everybody says you're kind of a heretic, you know? Yeah. This is why you're kinda, not on the, uh, the, the Jedi council. Jedi council. And he says, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to, I'm going to follow, you know, my heart basically. You know? Yeah. 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 I'll do what okay. I must. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, all, you know, all right. And, and. You know, that's that's what that's just the organization that we got is so much less interesting Mm -hmm. than it than it could be. And it's because Lucas got locked into a couple of very specific notes Mm 
mm-hmm. as you said at the beginning, at the beginning of what we're talking about here. He got locked into a couple of very specific notes that that he had that he had written down very early in the process, and he wanted to call back to those specifically. Yes. And 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 it was okay. Well, you can call back to those, but do those have to be the only only thing you go to? You know, and and like the other auteurs, mm. <laughs> you know, who who you know you you love to rag on, and I'm I'm joining you in that. Yes, as time goes on, um, you know, he he had he had this this immense confidence in his own vision mm-hmm. that prevented him from understanding how limited his vision in this case was. Yes. And, you know, we could have had a model that actually looked more like what the 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 Ronin were mm-hmm. in in Japan. We could have had a model that looked like the Fry Fetchers and and you know the rivalry between the Fader Fetcher and the Marks Bruder. Like we could have had more than one Jedi Order. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you know they do that in the books. Had, yeah, we could have had stories. We, we could have had we could have had storylines with with Lucas's imprimatur that that you know tell us about you know the the Skywalker family going back you know being force sensitive but not all of them being Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know we've we've been oh yeah you know, we've. we've We've been taught by the Jedi Order for years and years and years and years, but you know these ancestors were actual Jedi, Jedi, Fry Fetcher, Jedi, sure, you know fencing master, Jedi, um, you know professional soldier, professional, you know mm-hmm. whatever Jedi. Uh, but you know, uh, let's talk about your grandfather who was a moisture farmer and a Jedi. Yeah, you know the story. The story of you know. When when he got called on to use his abilities to defend his neighbors, this is what he did. You know, like the the ways in which that is more compelling mm-hmm. than turning them into a group of unattached, sexless, kind of bloodless. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know Wuja monks without without the 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 fun. I I, I kind of don't know how how to go with that, but you know, but but taking taking their humanity away from them. Yeah. And yeah, I know many of them are not human, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, taking the anima from taking yeah. taking us the essence, if you will. Yeah. 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 You know, and and. When when we talked about how Lucas screwed up Buddhism way back when, one of one of the things that you know now occurs to me again, coming back around now mm-hmm. uh, to, to talking about Lucas and, and developing these stories, is you know you you brought up well you know he's at the end of the day this guy from you know the Central Valley of California coming mm-hmm. from this particular background from this particular kind of Protestantism. Mm-hmm. And this this kind of culture, and and we again we see that reflected in the the kind of limited choice that he wound up making. 
Yeah, and you know, it's I, I'm going to push back just a little bit um, because he had to explain Darth Vader. What better environment to create Darth Vader than to kidnap somebody away from his mother and let him not come save her and then uh, teach him nothing about attachment except that it's bad when he's already too young to be doing this and he's got abandonment issues. What better way to create the villain who will who is the most powerful and will destroy your whole order um, because your order is so short-sighted than to merge really shitty understanding of, of Eastern mysticism and the comic book version of Simon Templar. Like, I don't think you could have made a better Petri dish for a, a essentially a unrequited mama's boy uh, who then took that and then put it all on his wife and then took his fear of losing her and and then made that his impetus for the ends justified all the means. And his anger at the order then, you know, goes to his trust of anybody who will show him affection. Um, and it damn sure can't be the Jedi. So then he turns on them. Like, all these things are are the stew in which Anakin boils to the top. Yeah. And, and I remember you had <clears throat> said years ago, and I don't know if you came up with this or if you found it, but episode three should have been the fall of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and it could have been a really cool buddy cop movie where Obi-Wan slept with Padme. And that sent Anakin spinning the wrong way. And it would have yeah. been way more interesting. And therefore, yep. Obi-Wan's stuff in episodes four, well, in episode four especially, but his willingness to keep lying as a ghost in episode five um, would have made a hell of a lot more sense than having it just be, you know, mama boy issues. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a phrase you you used about a different auteur in another episode, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say that I think George Lucas fell backward into that perfect backstory. Yes, in in the same way that um, you know Conan is is a great movie to you by accident. Yes. I would say that uh, it's not a great backstory for Anakin. I would just say that it's logical. Like, okay. it's, it makes sense. It's also a really just poorly done story. I'm sorry, but it is. Like, okay. you know, it, it, there's so many missed opportunities with that. You, you're looking at the Jedi as an overall group and an ethos. As far yeah. as all these missed opportunities, they could have been... Um, like you said, the Wuja, they could have been like the Ronin, they could have been like uh, the fire fractures. Um, but uh, instead, um, you get this, you know. I know I I'm, said it I'm wrong. I'm sorry, I have to, I, yeah. I, I just have to inter- interject because yeah. this is a nerd podcast and, yeah. and some of our younger nerds will get a kick out of this. You said fire fractures, and all I could think was many years ago, all of the fetchers lived in peace the earth fetchers, the air fetchers. <laughs> But then the fire fetchers brought war. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I like it. You know, and the water the fetchers fetcher, they paled the in fetch- comparison. Nice, thank nice. you, thank you. Um, the fetcher avatar. <laughs> but like, 
you know, you, you went at the order and the, the, the monastic tradition and stuff like that. Very, very valid. I, I think that even looking at, I think Luke has failed on that level for certain. You've made a very clear case and you've given three really good examples of ways that he could have done it otherwise. But I also think that he failed completely when it came to the personal fall of Anakin Skywalker. You oh, did, yeah. You didn't yeah. push the button enough on the mommy issues. Um. <laughs> You, you, we needed just a couple more scenes about that. Honestly, would have, would have done it for me. Um, or you, you push the button a little harder on the I have to protect Podme thing because now she's yeah. pregnant with my kids. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, you, you could have pushed that a couple more scenes. Um, yeah. you know, you didn't have to have, uh, an ode to Ben Hur in episode one. You could have had, a tender moment with him and his mom instead of just like hey mom i really love you i don't want to go and she's like you should go he's like wizards yippee you know it's like oh yeah you know like actually have those tender moments there so that we see that he's longing for and missing that instead of just when it's convenient to the plot i think that he really blew it on that and just the you know i i what have i done i cut off mace windu's hand and he's like well now you can be darth vader and he's like oh okay you know yippee but in a darker voice yeah. um instead it's like now we can save your wife like just a few little tweaks there and and lucas yeah. absolutely hit it with good writing well maybe it wasn't him that hit it though um cuz his wife was definitely helping him edit during all of episode 4 when he has tarkin walk in and go the imperial senate will no longer be a problem for us the Emperor's oh, yeah. just dissolved it. It's like, oh, you just established what the government was and now is in two lines. So, you know, it's not like he couldn't have done that with Anakin's fall or. Oh, yeah. No, well, you know, OK. Yeah. You know, he could. He could, Yes. OK. He could have done that mm-hmm. if he wasn't the head of ILM and one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. Yep. Well, he wasn't in Hollywood. <laughs> But yeah, I get, I get what you mean. In in the, in the industry. Yes. Yeah. In, in, in the milieu in which he was operating, he was, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he was, he was God Mm -hmm. and, and everybody was terrified to critique anything he was saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, I think, I think the genius of what makes, of what, of what led to Star Wars being an iconic, great, piece of cinema mm-hmm. was he had all these obstacles he had to overcome. He had a limited budget. He had, you know, he, he didn't have anybody, anybody, uh, rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And, and he had to figure out how to make it work. And it's in those moments of, okay, I can't just hit the easy button on this. I got to figure out a way to make this work. You know, I can, right. I can do this big long, I can do this big long scene or, we can figure out how to do this info dump in two lines right? and, and get it across. And, and so that was episode four, episode mm-hmm. five. He had more of a budget, but he still had people telling him, all right, you know, you got lucky the first time. Right. So you got, you have to listen to an editor. You have to have somebody looking at the script. You got to have a script doctor. You got to have a, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then with number six, I think we kind of start seeing the beginnings of, some of the some oh yeah of the i mean he happened. stepped outside of uh the union like that's why he oh, couldn't yeah. get um or is either five or six he couldn't get spielberg because he wasn't working union and spielberg was like no 
I'm a union guy. Yeah. Like he wanted Spielberg and he couldn't get yeah. him. I think I think that's when he got uh Rich, yeah, that's when he got Marquand. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. because Marquand I think was from France. Um but yeah, he wasn't in the uh the directors guild. Yeah. So no, correct. Yeah. So so you know, and then by the time so then and then we have all of the you know, everybody who, who loves the universe that Star Wars happens in and everybody who played in that sandbox, played in that driveway for all mm-hmm. of those years, building all this stuff out. And then by the time he comes back to it, he is the guy who gave us all these wonderful toys and mm-hmm. nobody wants to tell him no. And and we got the prequels, which he showed his ass in so many unfortunate ways. <laughs> Like, like, oh my God, you know, I mean, I understand that, that a lot of this stuff is, is inspired by old, you know, Buck Rogers serials, but really, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I get, I get, you know, Flash Gordon, Yellow Peril and all that, but like, really, mm-hmm. what is that legal? Like, right, yeah. All the Nemoidians. I lost the transmission, you, sir. And it's like, yeah, what are the f- you fucking kidding yeah. me? You know, and and a whole and a whole sort of heroic species who are who are basically Rastafarian amphibians, like wh- yeah, really, mm-hmm. like like all of the non-humans in the first trilogy mm-hmm. were awesome because yeah. Yeah. because they looked different, but but they weren't saddled with stupid accents, right. And and they 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 weren't carrying loads of subconscious stereotypes on them, you know. So like, true. That's very true. I mean, like, Bib Fortuna couldn't, did not act like he was from Philly. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I you know, I agree with you. You you can't you can't look at Bib Fortuna and go, okay, what is he coded as? Right. Like uh, uh, Admiral Akbar, you can't look at Akbar and go. Well, I mean, obviously he's, you know, Polynesian. Right, no, right. Because because there's no there isn't any unfortunate subconscious coding. You get to episode one and you're and, and within within minutes, minutes. yep. <laughs> it's like, like Oh, we're doing this. Have, okay. You have got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again he got away with it because who's gonna tell him no? Mm-hmm. And then he, he put has, a diner in episode two. Like, yeah. what even, what even is that? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's no, there's no aesthetic. And you have a Jedi, ah. a part of this monastic order, this, yeah. this blend of like, we are separate from everybody, but we're mm-hmm. set in the center of town. Um, <laughs> and he's really good friends with the owner of Mel's Diner. Like that's just so yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's again because mm-hmm. he threw out the idea and everybody around him went, "Yes, boss, please, yep. Yep. please, don't throw me out in the street to you know starve <laughs> to death in in the cold, cold winters of Marin County." Like you know, <laughs> and I mean, you know, I'm being a little flip, but only a little there, right? You know, like. Like this, he literally, you know, yeah. num- number one, he, he had the power to, to, you know, hurt people. 
and and he has a reputation for not taking criticism well. Mm-hmm. So like you know, and and so because of that, he he now had all of the toys to do his his special effects wizardly stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like you you have to understand that I was so incredibly excited mm-hmm. to see like large scale like multiple combatants with lightsabers fighting. Yeah. Like since I was since I was six years old. That oh, was yeah. like such a daydream. And then it happened and I was like, oh my God, this is visually spectacular. And I barely give a shit. Yeah. How can you take because... something that should have been Braveheart with lightsabers and make it boring? Yeah. Yeah. Like like I, I It's like, oh he's got a lightsaber and he got shot by somebody. I'm like, what? Really? Like, yeah. come on. I like. It's supposed to be Jedi. Like, what the fuck? Right. I don't yeah. care if it's Boba Fett. It's still a pistol. Yeah. You know, like, or uh, Jango Fett. But, like, yeah. you know, when Boba Fett was shooting at Luke, Luke, who is not a very well-trained Jedi at that time, like, still yeah. barely figuring it out, he not only blocks shots, but then he ends up cutting his, his you know, carbine in half. And I'm like. Yeah. Okay, and, and that's the thing that got me was that they were so. It's almost like he was so interested in showing off, like this is the world that the Jedi are, that he forgot that they they were such a cut above the rest that he made them incredibly killable. Well, number one, I'm not even I'm not even worried about that. I'm just talking about the emotional stakes that were involved. Oh, there were none. I didn't care. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing to watch that many Jedi get cut down like chumps. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, I totally agree. But but more to the point, like, I don't, I don't have any reason to care about these people as individuals. Yeah. Like, like okay, I've spent, you know, a movie and a half, movie and three quarters, by the time of the scene I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, following, uh, you know, this Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and this Anakin. Mm-hmm. But, like, I kind of think Anakin's a douchebag. Yep. Not kind of. I think Anakin's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a little more I'm I'm more sympathetic toward Obi Wan, but he does. But Obi Wan doesn't really seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Obi Wan. You know, uh, uh, Ewan McGregor is doing such a great job uh, portraying the, the, you know, kind of swashbuckling devil may care attitude of, of Obi-Wan that like, doesn't look like he gives a shit. So why should I, right. You know, and, and that's dialogue and that's, you know, script stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm mostly more sympathetic to Obi-Wan Kenobi because I'm a Ewan McGregor fanboy and it's really, really clear who on this set is having the most fun mm-hmm. like of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that, that sells an awful lot right there. But, but in terms of narrative structure, I, I have no, I have no investment. And, and a big part of the reason I have no investment is the organization all of these people are part of doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's... You know, and, and in the first movie, it, it they did things that were actively dickish. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, yeah. 
I, yeah, you, you got no argument here. So, all right. So uh, that's that's what the Jedi could have been. Could have been. And uh, instead we got what they were. I will say this. All the okay. things that you have mentioned absolutely existed in the books and in the comics. Yes. There were plenty of authors who picked up on that and and decided to face it and go uh, away from it and turn it and stuff like that. Like I said a couple episodes ago, in one of the, the, the books by Karen Travis, they run into some Jedi who are like, oh, no, we're, we're like basically the merry prankster version of Jedi. And, yeah, we, we marry and fuck and have all kinds of fun. And, and the guy's like, these motherfucking Jedi with their ascetic bullshit, I can't believe that they cheated all these Jedi out of having that. What the shit is this? We're going to, and, and like, he's just hates them even more. Like, mm-hmm. she does such a good job of having so many people hate the Jedi. Um, and then <laughs> they're, and understandably so. And then yeah. uh, when they get into the legacy, no, past the legacy, it's, I forget what it's called, but it's the last major you know, several book series that they did. Um, and it was right before it got bought up. Like this, this was the last glut. Um, and then there were a couple books that came after, but it was pretty much, it was, it was trailing off. Um, but that was, um, that was a really good series and it absolutely dug into the issue of having an order and all this through the doubts of Luke Skywalker and through his interactions with the government and Mm -hmm. whether or not they should even be tied to it. And to the point where he moves the temple, uh, or or he he gets banished for ten years, um, and the temple is still there, but uh, they um, they're nerfed by the government, and it's all kinds of weird. And and you start to see these schisms. Um, and then there are other books where they absolutely talk about the old Jedi Order, and then they have different splinter groups and stuff like that. And in the comics, they a hundred percent do that. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just so much, it's so much richer and it's so much better. Um, it's, it's the stuff that you're talking about. It really is. Like there's one Jedi I was telling my kids about, um, he's a blind Jedi, walks around carrying a stick, cooks for people. Okay. And when he gives them their soup, um, he basically has this mantra that he says, I forget what it is, but it's basically, I always use the same ingredients. Whatever you taste is what you're putting into the soup. And so... Some people hate the soup, and they're like, you you promised me good soup. And he's like, I made what I made. I'm sorry that it's not to your tasting. Maybe you should look at yourself. And, like, you know, that, of course, makes them want to fight, and he's just like, I don't really want to fight you, and then he beats the shit out of him with a stick. Um, and then there's another Jedi who is like... Okay, yeah. hold, hold on. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just need to say mm-hmm. that is so Buddhist it hurts. Yeah. Like everything about that. Oh, and that's what like, I'm talking about, I'm, right? I'm going, I'm going to give you this thing. And hopefully, I, I genuinely hope that your reaction will be one of, you know, learning. Mm-hmm. If not enjoyment, I hope you will learn. And if you refuse to learn, then I'm sorry. I have a stick. I, I yeah. well, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not, not going to beat you over the head for saying you didn't like the soup. But mm-hmm. if you try to attack me, I'm going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh my God, I I love that so much. Oh, and he <laughs> flat out says, I'm restoring harmony to this situation, basically. You know, like it's so, <laughs> like this person clearly studied Aikido, you know, kind of yeah. thing, you oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. uh, he gives it to a Jedi who is 
infiltrating Dooku's inner circle. So he has to pretend to have fallen, which means he has to do some horrible shit and let some horrible shit happen. So he's a good Jedi doing the dark side shit. And so mm-hmm. it's just this wonderful, like, uh, you know, and how far is too far, et cetera, et cetera. It's this great, you know, and this is all in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets the soup. Like, the, the Jedi shows up just out of nowhere, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to make some soup, make some soup. He's like, how does it taste? He's like, it has no flavor at all. And it's like, whoa, shit. He's like, I'm going to use the same. And it's just so good. Like, the comics were amazing, especially, like, yeah. the Clone Wars comics. And the the books, there are several that, that suck, but there are so many good parts about Jedi in those books. So all the stuff that you're asking for, all the stuff that you're down on Lucas for not providing, rightly so, is provided by authors who got to play in his driveway when it was still his driveway. And then he sold the house. And now all that stuff is not considered canon, but you are seeing um, Disney mm-hmm. taking bits of it and using ultimately the good parts. Um, yeah. You know, they don't necessarily do it the best way sometimes, but they are using the good parts. You know, my kids and I are watching the new Clone Wars mm-hmm. um, episodes, and those are all Disney episodes. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we finished all of the Clone Wars, which were pre-Disney buying them out, and Rebels was pre-Disney buying them out. So we're watching the the final season um, of the Clone Wars, and then yeah. we'll go on to Rebels. So there's there's some stuff that's that's happened. So yeah. anyway, um, that is that's pretty much it for you, yeah. Yeah. For this? Yeah. No, okay. I've, I've I've that's that's my whole. Okay. That's all my Force Lightning. So I, got, I what, <laughs> don't have anything else in the tank at this point. Force Lightning always gets you a dark side point, even if you only use it for spot welding. You still get a dark side point for it. Yeah, right. Well, we're living in that world now. Oh, boy. Oof. <laughs> oh, well, before I go hang myself, um, <laughs> what are you what are you reading or watching that you want us to uh, to do or to check out? Um, I'm going to very strongly recommend um, if you can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's on streaming services. Um, the movie, The Gentleman. Okay. Matthew Matthew McConaughey. All right, Hugh all right, Lawrence. all right, all right, all right, all uh, right. It is uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Okay. So it is. It is a Guy Ritchie movie. If mm-hmm. if you are familiar with Guy Ritchie's work, you you already know kind of what I what I'm talking about when I say that. Um, it is a really really good movie. It is really entertaining. Um, oh, yeah. I remember seeing the ads for this. It looked yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh Grant is mm-hmm. unrecognizable at yeah. first. Yeah. First shows up on the screen. You're like, who is, th- oh my God. Yeah. You know, um, they do, they do a really good job of skeezing him out. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's again, clearly having a lot of fun, uh, doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think everybody involved clearly was having a good time and it is very violent mm-hmm. and very darkly funny in a couple of places. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun. There are funny moments throughout. There are a couple of places where it's funny in ways that are like, Oh, that's really dark, but I can't stop laughing. Nice. Um, so I, I really highly recommend it. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm as far as what I'm reading, um 
mostly, well, it was research for, for this episode, um, and trying to get stuff ready to go for school. So not really an awful lot for just my own enjoyment. How about Mm -hmm. you? What do you got going on? Um, let's see. I've started binge watching. Um, well, binge watching. I've started rewatching. I think any watching in COVID is probably binge watching. But I started rewatching Deep Space Nine. Um, and there was already in the first season an episode where they got a virus, um, and everybody had to be quarantined, and people broke the quarantine, and the virus spread everywhere. Mm. So that that was fun to watch. Um, so wait, hold yeah. on. Why why were the crew of DS9 in Orange County? It's <laughs> a I good point. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it just ugh. because the economy. Yeah. Um, Cork wanted to stay open. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. Cork yeah. Cork is a is a greedy son of a bitch, but um. He's also got a very well-developed sense of self-preservation. Yes, he does. So, no. (laughs) Cork wouldn't be the driving force behind that. Yeah, well, he makes the argument. He says, you know, people are so scared that they need some way to blow off steam. And so they can gather here. And it's like, Cork, if they gather, they're going to get sick. And they absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, So... But, um, yeah, so I've been starting watching Deep Space Nine, so that's been fun. Um, I'm doing a few, I'm reading a few books just for research for upcoming uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm also, you know, reading a fair amount of old, st- old, uh, old Republic Star Wars stuff. Oh, um, nice. Oh, you know, that's a thing I wanted to point out, by the way, was that uh, in there is another Old Republic series comic book where you're following a Jedi who fell terribly and he's barely hanging on and his masters are all trying to murder him. Like, and it's a whole series and it brings down the order for a while. So it's, it's oh, wow. kind of templary. Um, but um, that's, that's only a, about a thousand years before uh, BBW. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been reading those things and yeah, that's, that's been kind of it because again, you and I are both, wasting our summers um by doing a lot of curriculum mm-hmm. so that's that's about it um all right if people want to find you on the social medias where they, where can they find you uh on uh instagram i am mr blaylock mr blaylock uh and on uh the twitter i am at eh blaylock and um, again, since we've we've given up trying to make this timeless, uh, you probably won't be able to find me after tomorrow on TikTok. Is that uh, really happening? <clears throat> he he has apparently said he's going to issue an executive order. Whether whether that is enforceable, right? What that's going to look. I mean, I have no way of knowing. But wow. Yeah, he's he's apparently saying he's going to do it because I know like, he was he was saying that he was going to do it. I didn't think that he could actually do it well there's a question over just exactly what authority he has and what the mechanism would be for him to do it or, right. or for his executive order to actually like take effect um and whether it could actually be and like if he could actually do it oh, pardon me without there being you know a massive legal fight and mm-hmm. like you know an injunction you know while the whole thing works its way through the courts right 
but you know, he's planning on doing it, which, you know, I gotta say, it's like one of those times when I, I kind of have to look at the white house and say, that's a weird flex, but okay. Mm -hmm. Like, like of all the shit you could be doing right now to try to grab headlines and look like a tough guy, the social media app where, you know, suburban moms are busy doing dance moves. <laughs> That's a really good description of it. Like, like, yeah, I mean, people are jumping off of bridges. Yeah. Like, yeah, really? This, this, that's, that's what you're going for. Like, like a week ago you were, you were full on goring, you know, whole, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, had, had the whole fascist mad on going. He still and, is and now, attacking oh, yeah, media. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, but you get what I'm saying. But yeah, I totally do. Like, like really? Yeah. This is this is like I I I personally take it to be you know one more uh, incontrovertible sign of his of his mental decay. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, so anyway. you're on TikTok until tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah. Apparently. So I'm on so I'm on I'm on TikTok and, until you know the executive order takes effect and mm-hmm. there I am also Mr. Blaylock. Okay. And after that very long segue. Where can you be found on the social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Duh Harmony. That's two H's in the middle. Duh Harmony. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I've been trying to get the Capital Punishment TikTok up and running, but apparently it's a moot point. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find me there. You can also find me every Tuesday night uh, on twitch.tv forward slash Capital Puns. Um, and this will be well after the episode, uh, this episode will come out well after this happens, but this coming Sunday at 11 a.m., um, I will be on the UK pun competition or the UK pun off. Um, so yeah, so going across the pond to, uh, to, I, and in fact, um, they're already giving me shit on the Twitter. One of them said, um, they, they, they said, uh, if you're in honor of the fact that the North Americans are coming to join us, um, what kind of singer do you need to clean a wound or something like that? And they said, you have to say it with an American accent, Celine Dion. Um, and then in parentheses after that, it said, if this was 400 words longer, it would be a Damien Harmony pun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and go on Twitter and find my response. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty funny. So so uh, so you spent the last couple of days in the burn unit, is what we're saying. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's yes. very very true. Yeah. So, all right. But yeah, that's where you can find me uh, doing comedy awesome. and stuff. So, all right. Well, for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time. Keep rolling 20s. I'm going to go look up Suburban Moms dancing now. <laughs>